You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, well, well. Looks like the Packers, who are one of the hottest teams in the NFL, just got a little hotter. Not going to lie, I'm a little bit cocky because I just had a dream that we smoked the Bears. And I, it just dawned on me that that happened. Because it's like, wait a minute, they didn't just beat the Titans, they beat the Bears by a lot. And I'm like, why do you think that? They haven't played the Bears. And it's like, no, I, I remember. It was like 34 to 17 or something. It was in the 30s and in the teens, so if, if that happens, don't quote me on 34-17, but just know that my dreams are, you know, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Are my dreams seeing the future? Or are they manifesting the future? See, this is what happens. My So, my charger's broke, which means my phone was dead, which means my alarm didn't go off, which means I overslept, which means I don't have time to be getting stupid sound effects like that, but I can't help myself. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, the Bears lost. Um, because of Snacks Harrison? I don't know. I don't remember the details. Anyways... Hi, this is the Packernet Podcast. I'm still asleep. We're working our way through this, all right? So Snacks Harrison is a football player that we signed. Um, If you happen to subscribe to Pack Daddy NFL, you already know my thoughts on the signing. Just throw that little teaser out there. I know some people are resistant. I know some people are hesitant. I understand. Just saying, if you want to know, sometimes when things happen, I say, you know what, I'm going to make a YouTube video out of it and see if I can capitalize on that. Didn't blow up like I thought it would. Probably just should have made a podcast, but that's all right. JJ had me covered. All the same, Pack Daddy NFL, go subscribe. So here are my general thoughts. And part of the problem with the Snacks Harrison thing is that there's some drama. Drama. That's what I'm saying. And it's not exactly public record entirely what's going on. It's actually a very weird thing. And it's funny because if you had been listening to the podcast, it was, I was thinking about it. When did I talk about that? It was when I was covering all the different teams that are going to be in the playoffs, and I did the NFC version. And I talked about the Seattle Seahawks, and I talked about how their defense was ascending. One of the things I mentioned is that, you know what, congratulations to the Seahawks. They were right for picking up Snacks Harrison, because he's actually a very good defensive tackle again. Right now, via PFF, he is the 8th highest rated run-defending defensive tackle in the NFL. Now, granted, it's a small sample size. And they haven't all been great games. In fact, part of the reason his grade is so high is because he had one elite game. Um, but even so, it actually is interesting because, and again, if you follow me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy, you would have seen some of this also. He actually started off really slowly, grade-wise, and also statistically and everything else. You know, 50s-ish as far as his run defense and all that. And then it gets up into the 60s, and then he gets his 90, and then he has another relatively high 60-type game. And if you look at on Twitter, one of the things I reposted was he comments to a lot of people. I should probably reach out to him, see if he'll do the podcast, because he seems to want to get his story out there, but, you know, I'm too stupid to do things like that. Somebody had commented, 
man, that sucks. You were really just starting to get your legs under you, right? You were really starting to pick up steam, and or, or that was his comment, I think. He's getting his legs under But he, his comment was, it was about to get scary. Like, I was just getting real good. I was just starting to get back in the groove. He's been out of football for a while. And then he had a huge game against the Jets, and he's like, man, I was just starting to feel it again. I was just starting to get ramped up. The confusing part is what went wrong. I can't really piece it together. It does sound like um, Snacks did ask to leave. That's not official. The Seahawks caught him, and, and a lot of what uh, Snacks said was somewhat cryptic. Um, in the comments, everybody's saying, it, you know, the rumors are you asked for a trade or asked to be cut or whatever. And his tweets are all, you know, everything happens for a reason, which kind of alludes to him saying that it wasn't his decision. But if you kind of really read between the lines, it kind of sounds like he's... It leaves the door open to the possibility that maybe he did ask to be traded. He's making comments such as, it was just my time to go. Now, that could easily be him saying, I got cut, and look, it's fine. It was my time to go. I understand it. But it could also be time... He... Basically, his overall message was, I came there to do a job, I did that job, and then he went on to say something to the effect of, I don't want to steal snaps from younger guys that are trying to win a job, that's not what I'm there to do. There are young guys that need those snaps that are trying to earn a job, and I'm not the kind of guy that's going to take their job. Now, whether that has anything to do with it, or if that's just his excuse for leaving, I don't really know. And I'll be completely honest, my biggest fear isn't that he isn't going to play well, because even if he doesn't, so what? You don't lose anything. My biggest concern is that he has a little bit of a Martellus Bennett vibe. He has a vibe that's sort of, I'm too old and too rich to put up with any of your nonsense, <laughs> which I can respect that. I just think that it's it's one of those things where, you know, the, the way the NFL is, is generally structured, and it's not the way it used to be where, you know, the coach was God and you did everything he said. But there still has to be a level of, of respect. In the locker room, the veterans, the guys that have been there, the coaches, there's also the scheme and, and what the game plan is, and you have to submit yourself to whatever everybody says. Sort of like you tell your children, do what you're told when you're told with a respectful attitude. That's sort of your job. And I don't think Damon has that kind of personality. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, with whatever attitude I feel like. That's my only real concern. And again, I get it, but... It has to be a perfect marriage. I mean, it's it's kind of like that with everybody. I said that a little bit with Aaron Rodgers, talking about, you know, he's not going to get along with, with Matt LaFleur, and what did I say? If things go well, they'll get along just great. If they win football games, they're going to get along just fine. If they end up going less than 500, I think there might be a little bit of a rocky relationship. Look how mad Aaron Rodgers gets when one play doesn't go right. He can't get over it for a whole half of a football game. He threw that pick, and he was shaking his head for two quarters. <laughs> it's just, he doesn't handle, you know, things not going well correct. And, th- and I think that's, maybe it's, it's, it's kind of just a veteran thing. Not everybody. I think some guys are just, you know, different personalities. You know, you look at a Larry Fitzgerald or whatever, he would never do any of those things. But that would be my only concern. The, the biggest question I still have, though, is why. What I had thought was that he was not being played as much. And he got frustrated because they weren't playing him. Because earlier I had seen his comments saying something to the effect of, look, I just want to play. But the fact of the matter is he's been getting more and more play time. And in fact, his snap counts went from uh, 19 to 26, which is a lot, back to 18, 22, 23, and then 30 this past week. But then in week 16, he didn't play. So that's that's the weird thing. What happened there? I mean, it, it, it could honestly be just that 
just like Snack said, maybe this is Seattle's perspective. Because if you look at Week 16, they got two nose tackles. First of all, Puna Ford is a good football player. I'm not entirely sure what the purpose of Snacks is anyways. Um, Puna Ford is their general nose tackle. He's a fantastic football player. And then they got a guy by the name of Brian Moore, 6'3", 336, who dominated Week 16. So maybe it's maybe he was a fill-in for Brian Moan, who was out since Week 9. It's weird that Snacks Harrison would be brought in to bring in a guy that's filling in for a defensive tackle that's never really been very good. That was an undrafted free agent out of Michigan in 2019. But be that as it may, week after week 9 he goes out, week 16 he comes back and they bench Snacks Harrison. And and again, there's also Puna Ford who's been there the whole time anyways, but I'm not sure. It seems unlikely to me that they would bench him entirely unless there was something else going on. And again, it, it's something to keep an eye on. Something happened. I don't exactly know what. But for whatever reason, he got benched and he said, you know what, I want out of here. If you're not going to play me, I want out. And he more or less said that on Twitter. What did he say? Again, I just want to play. That's it. And if you're not going to play me, get me out of here. He goes on further on Twitter to explain essentially how he ended up falling to the Green Bay Packers. His explanation, and it wasn't really an explanation, he just said that somebody on Twitter, he said bingo after somebody had uh, gotten it correct. And what he said bingo to was, quote, I assume there was a short list of teams that knew that if they claimed him, he'd actually play for them. He was scheduled to meet with Green Bay after he met with us a few months ago, so I assume they're one of those teams. He responded, bingo. And what, what this guy was trying to clarify was, was a somewhat cryptic tweet, I guess, from Snacks Harrison. Everything he says, people say is cryptic, because it is not fully explaining everything. But he says, if I can work out the logistics of it, he's planning to play somewhere else, but he's not doing the waiver thing, though. In other words, he's not just going to let somebody pick him up, right? It's, it's, it's confusing because he says, I'm not doing the waiver thing, but yet he just got picked up off waivers. What does that mean? Rusty comes in and says what it means is there are a huge list of teams that will try to pick him up, and Snacks will just say, I'm not playing for you, which tells me literally one thing. He wants a ring. I mean, it's, it's the one piece that, that fits together this whole puzzle. Again, there's still some questions in terms of what happened in Seattle, but the point is when there was a separation, he said, I would like to play this year, but it's not guaranteed because I'm not just going to go to any team. I'm 32 years old. I've got plenty of money. He spent his entire career with teams like Buffalo when they were garbage, the Jets, who have always been garbage, and then Detroit. I came to Seattle to win a ring. It's not working out for whatever reason. Fine, but I'm going somewhere to get a ring. Now, if we want to get super conspiratorial, which we don't need to because the Seahawks just whooped on the Rams. Their defense is unbelievably ascending right now. As I mentioned, that's probably their biggest strength at the moment. 9, 15, 3, 17, 17, 21, 23. Those are the points the defense gave up. This is one of the worst defenses in NFL history when the season started. But if we want to, you know, make this fun, since we don't have the answers and it's my podcast and I can do whatever I want, we could also just say, that he realized that there was a team very interested in him that is clearly better than Seattle. And also, he didn't play Week 16, so it could have been after Week 15, when they almost lost to Washington, that he's like, look, maybe I don't play next week. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, this isn't really my thing. Maybe I go over to the team that gets the number one seed. I don't know. It's possible. I'm sure he's still got Gooch's cell phone number. After Week 15, maybe they had a conversation. Conspiracy theories are so much more fun than everything else I've done so far. So week 15, they almost lose to Washington, right? Gutekunst calls him up, like, hey, man, what's going on? Just uh, just checking in, seeing how you're doing. Just thinking maybe I'd jump on a plane, come out to Seattle, we catch some lunch. I don't know. 
So you guys, uh, you almost lost to Washington there, huh? That sucks. What's going on? I thought uh, I thought you guys had a really good offense. What happened to Russell being dominant and all that stuff? Remember that? Wow, that's too bad. I thought you guys were going to win a Super Bowl. Man, that sucks. Well, hopefully in year 33 of your career, you'll be on a team that uh, really is on track to win a Super Bowl. It's too bad you're so invested with the Seahawks because, you know, even even to this day, we'd happily take you. But, you know, it's not really up to us. Man, I really wish we could win a Super Bowl together, Snacks. I just, uh, it eats me up inside, you know? I was just, I was just telling my wife and kids, if I, if I could do anything with my life, it would be to give Snacks Harrison a Super Bowl. Darn those Seahawks in their ways. Curse their eyes. And he doesn't play Week 16. He says, I want out. And the rest is history. I think that's the story we're going with. He knows Packers are going to win a Super Bowl. He knows the Seahawks aren't. Sinking ship. Defense, great. But Russell Wilson is the reason you're going to win a Super Bowl if you win a Super Bowl, and that dude can't play anymore for some reason. 20 points, two weeks in a row. Oh, you got 40 against the Jets. Yeah, and then 12 against the Giants, 23 against the Eagles, 28 against the Cardinals, 16 against the Rams. Come on now. You guys were getting 30 every single week. 38, 35, 38, 31, 27, 34, 37, 34. That's how they started the season. Now it's 16, 28, 23, 12, 40, 20, 20. They're done. They're toast. They're cooked. Snacks wants out. Snacks is tired of snacks. He wants a feast. So he's coming to Green Bay. That's the story, folks. You can write that one in ink. Stamp it. It's approved. It's what it is. Anyways, moving on to what I think we get out of Snacks Harrison. I've been intrigued with guys like Snacks for a while. I mean, the, the, the obvious thing is it makes us better at stopping the run. That's point number one. Now, I do tend to think he ends up being a rotational guy. Petten is still the guy that likes athletic defensive tackles, guys that can get after the quarterback, etc., etc. Um, and although we don't have dominant pass rushers at defensive tackle, it's still probably better than what you're going to get out of Snacks, who's just not built that way. It's not really what he does. Not saying he's incapable, but he gets there about probably 5% of the time, which is pretty standard for a nose tackle, but it's it's extremely low for what you want in a general defensive tackle. Just like pass rusher, you'd like to see closer to 10%, 12%, whatever. So I think, you know, you put him out there on first down, and it, it depends on the team, but I think, and maybe he doesn't play against Chicago, I don't know. I think he can, I think he should. In fact, I think it's actually pretty important, because if you think about Chicago in particular, it's a great example of why you want a guy like Snacks Harrison. The Chicago Bears are a team that are finding a lot of offensive success. However, none of that success is coming from their quarterback, and I know that sounds untrue because the stats are there, but if we look at, for example, the Bears' offensive grade, pretty much a doldrum from week four through week, uh, let's say, 12 against the Packers. And, and we, we could just say after the bye they got better, but again, the Packers are, are a tough team to play. Just nothing. I mean, they did start off the, the start of the season fairly well. But then it goes um, from the 50s and 60s, the grades for their offense, to 74, 79, 75, and 69. So they've been consistently good. But then you break it down as to why. Well, what got better in that stretch? Well, the receivers got better. The running got better. The run blocking got better. You know what did not get better? The passing and the pass blocking. The offensive line protecting Trubisky and Trubisky being a better quarterback did not happen. Now, the passing may be getting better because the receivers are getting better. I mentioned how Allen Robinson is one of the best receivers in the NFL right now in recent history. But if I'm playing the Bears, the strategy is relatively simple. We're not going to let you run which is something that is getting better. Again, the run blocking and the running is getting much better. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop you from running the ball. 
I'm going to force, it's, it's exactly what we did to the Tennessee Titans, and I'm going to force you to throw. I'm going to trust my guys to shut down your guys, and what do you know, the Packers happen to have a lockdown corner. If we take our number one lockdown corner, put it on their number one guy, basically their only real dominant wide receiver, and say, I want Trubisky on third and eight to stand in a pocket, which is not a protected pocket because their offensive line is not good, and try to make a throw to a number one wide receiver that's struggling to get open or some of these other bums that are out here. You think the Bears are going to win like that? No chance. If they're running the ball well, they're putting themselves in situations similar to what the Packers do very, very well. You run the ball well, you put yourself in second and third and shorts. If you're in second and four, third and ones, you're going to do well. It opens up the playbook, and it makes throwing easy. If you're in third and short, the defense has to be aware of your ability to run. And so because that's the biggest threat, what do you do? You stack the box, and Mitch Trubisky gets an easy toss to a wide-open guy. The offense is working, and, and, and with that is going to come, obviously, some stats for Trubisky. He's, he's coming along for the ride. My point is, he's not the main driver of this. In the last four weeks, if we look at quarterbacks that have started any serious period of time, Mitch Trubisky right now, in the last four weeks, just when the Bears have been hot, that doesn't even include the Packers game. It's just the last four weeks where they've been dominant. He is grading out as the 26th overall quarterback out of 36. By the way, you know who else is down here the last four weeks? Granted, there's the injury there, but Drew Brees. He did grade out quite well against Minnesota, so maybe he's back on track. Maybe the injury's getting better. I don't know, but it's something to keep an eye on because that's not great. By the way, and people have been saying this about Tom Brady, Drew Brees is uh, extremely volatile. I never really, I don't know if I've ever really looked at his grades on the season. And people have been talking about this with Tom Brady, too, where he just has terrible games. Um, But it's definitely more evident with Drew. Three average games followed by a great game. So great, good, great, then bad, then good, then terrible, then terrible, then good. I, you know, it's just one of those things where you look at it and go, I don't know if that wins you a Super Bowl. Granted, they've got Kamara. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got a good wide receiver. They've got a talented tight end, and they have an ascending defense. That can cover up a lot of things, but if Drew Brees has one of these clunkers against a playoff caliber team, I don't know if they're, they're going to do it. And you know they're going to have at least one. He hasn't strung together hardly any really dominant games back-to-back. The only real stretch was week four and five, Detroit and uh, the Chargers. Sorry, that's, that's a, a side note there. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is in this conversation. That's another team that I think has no chance in the playoffs based on what they're doing recently. Since we're on the topic, let's keep it going. Jared Goff. 20th. Don't think that's going to cut it. Tua, 19th. I think, as I've said, I just don't think they're ready yet. I think maybe next year they come on strong. Uh, Russ, who was one of the top quarterbacks for a long time, as we just talked about, Seattle is, is falling. He's now 17th in the NFL. Um, decent grade, but when you're Russell Wilson and you're 17th, that's that's a serious problem. The hottest quarterback the last four weeks is Tom Brady, which sucks. Anyways, so I think I think that's the plan when you look at Snacks Harrison. It helps you execute game plans like we had against Tennessee. It eliminates that game like San Francisco last year where they just run all over you and there's nothing you can do. Now, conversely, thinking strictly of scheme here, it also helps Mike Patton get back into what he loves, which maybe isn't necessarily a good thing, but he loves playing a lot of dime. And the best way to attack the nickel and dime defense, just just run at it. It's soft. Now, it gets significantly harder to run against dime defense when Snacks is in the middle, when you got Snacks and Kenny Clark, there may as well be an extra guy in the box. So it's just, it's going to provide extra versatility. Like I mentioned in the, in the YouTube video that I made, it provides a snowball effect. It's not just what he does in a vacuum. Think about what it does for Kenny. I've been talking about this for a while. I, I think his play clearly isn't as good as it was when Mike Daniels was there. And Snacks and Mike Daniels are very different guys. 
But the one thing they have in common is the fact that you have to pay a lot of attention to them. If you're not going to put two bodies on Mike Daniels or, or Snacks Harrison, you're asking for trouble. But I don't know if you can with Kenny Clark there, and that was the problem people had when it was Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark. It's another one of the big reasons why I do think getting a defensive tackle early, um, I want to talk about that too, but um, that, that kind of makes a decent amount of sense. But I again, it's just it just adds another layer of complexity. It's no different than adding Tavon Austin to the offense or Dominique Daphne or whatever. It's it's not even as much about the talent level. It's about what it does for you and what we can do schematically. Well, granted, you have to be able to execute. But the point is, can you execute what I need a big old nose tackle to do at even a basic level? If you can, we can open up the playbook a bit. So that's what I think we're going to be getting out of Snacks Harrison. And yes, it's something to be excited about. It doesn't it doesn't have to be great. It's possible this thing blows up. It's possible he never takes a snap. But um it's also possible that that this is one of the things that helps get us get us over the hump. Again, when you look at a lot of these teams, um you take away their ability to run. Granted, a lot of them have um talented quarterbacks, some of them do not. I think if you do that to the Rams, they're in trouble. You do that to the Bears, they're in trouble. If you do that to Washington, they're they're cooked. Not that I think Washington makes it to the Packers. Um, I think the Seahawks might struggle with that. Granted, I think the, the better play against the Seahawks is to just try to bring more pressure. But they like to run the ball. Don't let them do it. I mean, it, it's, it, it's good against everybody. Every single team in the NFL wants a third and short. Everybody wants that. And running is a part of every strategy. It's why, you know, running the ball isn't completely useless. Granted, you don't need a guy that gets 10 yards per carry. But you need somebody to be competent enough to put you in third and shorts. If you can get a guy that gets, you know, four and a half yards, it's beneficial. And this is, this is the counter. We want to make sure that you get two yards. Because if you run twice and get two yards and two yards, and now you're in a third and six, that's benefit defense. You don't want third and six. We want third and six. You don't want third and six. Um, the Saints, obviously, you know, with Drew Brees struggling, Alvin Kamara really starting to pick up some steam. Some teams it's more impactful than others. I think the Chiefs wouldn't, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not ideal to have to sit back and throw, but I think they can manage. But, um, you know, diff- different weeks, different game plans, different scenarios. But he's he's a he's an important piece. Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break? Not entirely sure. I, I had a plan, but I don't feel like I want to talk about that today. Doesn't feel interesting. So we'll take a break. We'll talk about something different in just a moment. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
So I want to talk about um, the draft a little bit because something kind of occurred to me. Um, and I, I, I think most of us understand that we kind of do the draft wrong. I think a lot of fans don't want to admit it, um, the whole best player available thing. If you don't believe me, go look at my comment section in the, uh, on my YouTube channel. Fans, the hardest thing to do is a seven-round mock draft for teams because most fans think their teams are dominant. They only need two things, and then they're going to win a Super Bowl. And if you do a seven-round mock draft and you have to pick seven different positions, fans lose their minds because they're saying, why would you say that, that need, we don't need help there? We don't need that position. They're so, I don't want to say stupid because <laughs> that's not the word, but it's just, it's just one-track mind, right? And, and Packer fans get into that too where it's like, we need a wide receiver, we need a defensive tackle, that's it. Maybe a linebacker, except we got, you know, apparently, we got dominant line. We don't need a linebacker. Well, we got the number one offense. We don't need a wide receiver. We just need a defensive tackle. Well, what are we going to do with the rest of the picks? Get seven defensive tackles. And then on draft day, they're going to do something that nobody wants and everybody's going to lose it. But but I think the goal, honestly, and this, this is going to help us to maybe predict the pick a bit, although it's hard because we don't know what the Packers board is to begin with. But it, it genuinely is best player available. When you're sitting at the back of the first round, what guys like Gutekunst are looking at is, is simple. Who's the top 15 guy that shouldn't be here right now that is? Who's the guy that should have been gone that isn't? And one of the biggest, easiest things to do at this stage is to say, where is the draft deepest? Because those guys are going to fall. And so when we look at it and say, well, we need a defensive tackle. The problem is, as it stands right now, if you look at the boards, there are zero defensive tackles that are first-round talent. The Packers would have to reach on a second-round talent in order to get a defensive tackle just to satisfy everyone's desires. Now, that isn't to say that when the time comes, the Packers are going to have a defensive tackle that is in the top 15 that ends up falling, and the Packers snag them, because everybody has different evaluations, right? Obviously, they had Jordan Love extremely high. They traded up for him because they said he should have been gone a long time ago. Even Rashawn Gary. You have our outside linebacker coach saying that he thought he was the best pass rusher in that entire class. They loved Rashawn Gary. They never would have let him fall out of the top 10 if we had a top 10 pick. And the fact that he was sitting there, they said this is a no-brainer. This is about value, plain and simple. And this thought kind of came to me when, um, you know, there. so if I look at my first-round mock draft from the, the last time around, and it is changing quite a bit, but there were four cornerbacks, one defensive tackle, which uh, I had the Packers taking Christian Barmore, and again, that was a little bit of a reach, but it was satisfying the, the hordes. Six edge rushers, which two of those at least were reaches, but they really needed edge rushers, but that's that's a growing um, group. Two linebackers, one of which is probably a lock top 10 pick, Micah Parsons, and then Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa is flying up the board. Um, one interior offensive lineman, four offensive tackles, Six quarterbacks, which, you know, probably won't be, but there are a lot of them. One running back, one tight end, although there are two in the conversation, but I don't I don't necessarily think Fryermuth is a lock by any stretch. Five wide receivers. Oh, and I must have spelled edge wrong because isn't it? So, so edge rusher is the, the number one here. Gregory Russo, Quiddy Pay, Carlos Basham, Joseph Asai, Patrick Jones, Zavin Collins, and Aziz Ojulari. So again, the, the idea at this stage to say the Packers are going to get a defensive tackle seems silly because there are no defensive tackles that are a good value at 32. None. Again, that may change, but where I'm sitting right now, that's not a thing. And so if we say, okay, that, well, it's not going to be an edge rusher, not going to be a quarterback, not going to be a running back, possibly a tight end, 
depending on, um, I mean, Kyle Pitts will never make it. He's probably going to go top 10, but depending on what they think of Pat Fryermuth, maybe. Cornerback makes a ton of sense because you got Patrick Sertan, who's probably gone. Caleb Farley is probably gone, but then you got Sean Wade and J.C. Horn, who are guys that should be gone. But again, if they're not, those are good values for the Packers or possibly somebody else. Again, remember, it was it was like a week before the draft that Jair Alexander became a first-round pick. He was a second-round guy through the whole process, and then I think it was Mike Mayock comes out with his thing and says, Jair's a first-round guy, and then everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 I agree. I always said that. I always liked that guy. And then the Packers take him. So, so that's something to keep an eye on is value. And a lot of the times you have a better chance of guessing value if you look at the right positions. What are the odds the Packers have somebody at a really high value that falls to them at 32 that is in uh, a cornerback or wide receiver compared to a defensive tackle or linebacker. There's not a lot of linebackers. There might be one or two that, that kind of slide in. Dylan Moses, um, I think, is just going to fly way out of the first round. I don't want him. I don't think the Packers want him. So I don't think he ends up being in the conversation. Maybe Nick Bolton. But again, if we just assume they're probably not going to take a linebacker anyways. But anyways, I, I, again, the, the reason this all came to mind is I was reading what Tony Pauline was saying. It was a Q&A about the cornerbacks. And um, somebody made it some kind of a comment like, this is a really weak cornerback class. And he said, I agree. He said, I, I don't think there's anybody that is that is a dominant corner in this class. They all have warts, was, was his comment. And it made me think that maybe cornerback isn't going to be the pick because the Packers want that one elite guy that, that they see. You know, maybe some other people don't really see it. Some teams don't have a need there. Other teams maybe would like to take him but, but have a bigger need somewhere else. You know, that, that happens all the time when you do mock drafts. You look at, this guy should be gone by now, but we just don't need that position. Or, this guy should be gone, but but even though we can take him, like, let's say, Kyle Pitts or one of the wide receivers, it's like, yeah, but, but we don't have a tackle. And there's a tackle available that's a good value. We have to go tackle. And it forces guys to fall a little bit more. So whether that means the, the corner isn't going to be the pick because they're not actually that good this year around, or that some of these guys are going to end up falling... And even though they have quote-unquote warts, the warts just mean they're not going top 10. Or, or you know, maybe one or two go, but some of these guys slide. And I know nobody wants to take corner, but, I mean, that might be top of the list. We have Jair and what? Kevin King is probably gone. Even if he's not, he's not even a top 100 cornerback right now. And how much do you want to pay the guy? Chandon Sullivan is also a free agent. I'm not saying everybody has to go, but two of our three starting cornerbacks are free agents. Again, maybe these guys get contracts, but the Packers are in a real tough spot right now, and if they can draft a corner, that would be ideal. Despite the fact that everybody really wants a wide receiver, defensive tackle, linebacker, I just I don't know that there's a bigger need than cornerback. Just throwing that out there. So that's something to keep an eye on. By the way, um, I did do an update. I forgot about this. I was just saying I wish I had my board. I forgot I do have a board, and I put it online where I can find it. There is a site that we kind of were keeping under wraps for a while because we were going to try to do this big thing. Um, but, you know, it's got a couple interesting things on there. You might as well go poke around while we're, we're working on it because, it's again, it's got some resources. It's packdraft.com, P-A-C-K-D-R-A-F-T.com. On the front page, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, you can do it right there. So that would be one way to sign up for the newsletter. Um, Obviously, by the name, we're trying to make this a Packers-centric draft website. Again, this is going to be kind of a big secret and then reveal it or whatever, but I don't, I don't care. Um, one of the other things that is going to be a benefit, and I was going to make this a premium feature, but since I'm still just kind of unraveling it and I haven't really put a lot of work into it, um, there are some Packers transcriptions on here, meaning you can actually search for terms and find them because I did upload a couple of transcriptions from my podcast on there, so you'll be able to search a couple things and find it. Um, 
that's something I want a lot more of, but it's a massive project. By the way, if anybody's interested in doing some grunt work, I got some for you. <laughs> By the way, once that becomes a premium thing, if you are the transcription guy, you have access to that. You're not going to have to pay for that. That's 100% all you. Just, just throwing it out there. It's simple copy and paste. It's just grunt work. And it, you know, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, but anyways, the other thing that's on here, if you continue down the line, is NFL Big Board. If you click on that, it is my updated NFL Big Board. Um, probably need to clean that up a bit. But you can see there are, let me see what the total is if we click all. It's a nice little chart. We have, if I scroll to the bottom, do 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 607 prospects that are ranked. And what I do is I have a massive spreadsheet. I bring in all the big boards from around the web, pretty much everyone you've probably heard of, um, and I just average it out. What is the average rank of these guys? I did it yesterday, so this is the most updated version. So we've got Mel Kuyper. We've got, um, who's the other guy? He just released his yesterday, and a bunch of other big, well-known uh, mock draft people, or not mock draft people, big board people. Um, that's on here. So... That would be a good resource for you to have. It's got searches and, and sorting and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to search anything, if you want to sort by height, by school, by position, it doesn't matter. You can even search by school. So if you come down here to school, you can search that, whatever. It's a nice, handy little tool for anybody interested in the draft. For example, if we just look from, let's say, uh, 20 to 35 to kind of get that range. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver. Sam Cosme, offensive tackle. Rondale Moore, wide receiver. Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle. Zaven Collins, edge. Joseph Asai, edge. Alex Leatherwood, tackle. Mac Jones, quarterback. Pat Firemuth, tight end. Sean Wade, cornerback, who has fallen quite a bit. He was, like, top five at one point. Najee Harris, who has finally cracked the top 30. Everybody in my comments says he's better than Travis Etienne, but yet Travis keeps going up the boards. It's a weird thing. Terrace Marshall. 31st wide receiver out of LSU. That's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, he fits the mold of a big body wide receiver like the Packers like. Six foot three, 200 pounds. There's not a lot of big body guy. He's right in that range. Granted, based on this, he's not a great value, but who knows if the Packers like him as a top 20 prospect or whatever. Um, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Christian Barmore right at 32, who I had the Packers taking in my last mock. Dylan Moses, linebacker, Carlos Basham, edge, Javon Holland, safety. That's another guy to keep an eye on. Um, he is a safety-slash-cornerback hybrid. He's one of those um, guys that will play safeties and then come up in the slot when you're when you're going three wide or whatever. I think that'd be a cool piece for the Packers. And it's also a perfect pick because it's one of those when they say Javon Holland safety, everyone's going to say, what in the world are these idiots drafting a safety for? That's our strongest position. But it's one of those sneaky, like, could-be sort of thing. Because the Packers play three safety, and also, again, he can play in the slot. It gives you that versatility. So, anyways, again, it's a, it's a nice little resource. The site is still under construction. If you'd like to help out with it, we can uh, get you involved in that. Other cool thing about this table, you can actually ex ex export it to Excel or whatever if you want. On draft day, there's a, there's a print button. You can print the list off, which I might do so I can, you know... I said I was going to do that last time, cross off names as they came up, but then I just... I was doing a live stream. I was hard to keep up with everything. But anyways, I really got to get going. I'm way over time, but, uh, you know, I overslept and whatnot. So Snacks Harrison, I, again, I think he's going to help. If, if I think if he can suit up against the Bears, I think he should. I mean, he's, he's in playing shape, right? He's been playing for Seattle. Granted, there's maybe some schematic issues, but, but how hard could that possibly be? Does he need multiple weeks? I know some people are saying, hey, if we beat the Bears and get, um, you know, the bye week, then he's got, you know, the rest of this week, the rest of next week, after that week. And then, you know, so he's got a bunch of time to prepare for that for that second week of the playoff. But um, I, don't, I don't just just put him on the field, dude. Who cares? How long do the Seahawks wait? I guess it was kind of a while. Whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. 
I'd like to see him because I think it's a good matchup against the Bears. But again, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.